back to The Cypher, a series of conversations with creators from across the Black diaspora who are leaning into their roots to create new spaces for all of us. I'm your host, Christabel Insiabwedi. Now, usually on the show, I say on today's show, and then I give a wonderful, wonderful list of, of um, uh, accolades um, for our guests. I'm going to try something different this season because... Um, I really want to get to the heart of the matter and I want you guys, you listeners to understand why I feel so excited about speaking to the guests. So I literally, I'm going to continue passing the mic, but I'm going to be literal about it. I'm going to pass the mic to our guest and have them tell us a little bit about who they are before we get into the interview. Um, I will give you this much. Today's guest is Namunlanta Kombo. She is the host of Dear Daughter, which is a BBC World Service production. Um, but over to you, Namunlanta. Hi, Christabel. Hi, welcome to The Cypher. And I want you to tell our guests about your podcast, Dear Daughter. Start there and then I'll guide you through the rest. Thanks. Well, Dear Daughter is a podcast on the BBC World Service. And what we're asking people to do around from around the world, and it could be um, mums, dads, aunts, uncles, write us a letter. Well, write a letter to your daughter or a daughter figure um, and give her advice based on your own personal experience, your own life experience. What has life taught you and what do you want to say to her? Um, and what happens is people do write these letters. They send them off to us and we ask them to come on, read their letter and just have a nice chat about what this has meant for them, why they felt they needed to do it. Um, and talk about that life experience and um, how it's incredible them and just and what they want so many things I want to unpack about that in terms of the creativity and in terms of the concept um, as well but I feel I feel like we're kind of like missing some of the headline um, your show was named podcast of the year uh, at the 2002 British podcast awards so you know like that's not bad and I you're doing all right. And I say all of that. The, I love that. You're like, bury the lead, right? Bury the bit, lead. Yeah. But I say all of that because um, you, this is your first podcast. This is my first podcast. It was my first time, you know, in a studio. It was my first time doing any of this because um, I came into the space because I won a competition. The BBC um, had a competition, which was the international podcast competition. And they were looking for um, new ideas from non-podcasters, non-broadcasters, broadcast, and um, I, I I, put in my idea, and uh, here we are. And you won it. Okay, well, you've got to tell the people. Tell the people. What did you do before well, this? Well, I, I still do. I work in the, um, I work in the NGO space, um, hmm. doing um, capacity building and um, that type of thing in Nairobi, Kenya, um, which is something I still do. Um, <laughs> So the BBC wow, okay. podcast is um, something I'm I'm balancing. We're juggling. We're juggling here. <laughs> We're juggling. Juggling, exactly. I, I think it's really important, and we'll get to that later, I think, because it's, re you know, th this show, The Cypher, is aimed at people who already have a job or, um, you know, may have a dream, but they're doing something else. How do we even get to create while I still have life happening is right, right? In the sense of we don't see creativity as part of life, which we should, but that's a whole other podcast and a whole other conversation. But coming to the podcasting space um, can be very, or even just the creativity space can be really, really um, difficult for people. And we'll certainly get onto that. But I want to return to the show, Dear Daughter itself. 
The concept is writing letters to daughter figures. So simple and so beautiful. What inspired you mm-hmm. to come up with well, that I idea? Baby. I had a daughter. Um, she's oh. seven now. <laughs> she's seven yeah. now and she completely just, she turned me upside down in terms of just how I, I thought about myself, how um, I thought about my own mom. Um, and I just came to realize that I have so much I wanted to say to her. There's so much I wanted to know about my mom because my mom had been this monolith mom who makes sure I have food on the table, clothes on my back. And I didn't really look at her or think of her as a person who had all these life experiences. I mean, I knew she'd live, but I didn't really know that much about her um, aside from her being my mom. So I didn't want that for my daughter. Uh, So when she was born, I started to think, how could I, how could I, tell her so many things I don't even think there's enough time in anyone's lifetime to know all the things and to talk about every single thing with your mom you know and I was thinking you know how how can I put down some of the things I think about in the course of my day while I'm driving to work or while I'm in the supermarket and so I started to write her letters um, about mundane things about big things about things I'd worried about about things that happened in my own life that I wanted her to learn from and I just started to write and then I realized um my sister has a story for her or, you know, a lesson for her, my mom, my friends. So I opened it up to, um, to all my friends and family. Could you write my daughter a letter based on your life experience that she can read? I hadn't thought about when she'd read it. I mean, she must've been like one, one and a half-ish um, when, I, when, when I started, but I just knew I wanted to put it down. And um, we started to get all these letters that were so interesting and people really wanted to say something to her. Um, and I thought I was going to, you know, publish a book for her, just for her, like a little book that she could walk around with, you know, her whole life. Um, and when I saw the call for the competition with the BBC World Service, I thought, hmm, uh, this could be interesting because if I have something to say to her, my mom has something to say to her, Christabel, you know, will, might have something to say to her or someone in Estonia might have something to say to her that she resonates with because, you know, she's her own person. But um loads of people could, could could teach her something. So I thought, you know, this this, this could work. Um, and I submitted the idea to the BBC World Service. And it did work. And it, and it did I won, work and I because won. you yeah, won and here you are. But but the, <laughs> you, you sure, you won and we won. You won and we won because it's such a simple and beautiful idea. I have an 11-year-old daughter and an uh, eight-and-a-half-year-old son. He'll say nearly nine, which is true, right? And this idea of a letter, I remember when I was uh, pregnant with my daughter, um, my friends got me to write letters to her, right? And it was such an incredibly powerful experience and they were like she'll open them up when she's 18 and and they're just short notes so what resonated to me just as another person is this idea of you writing you as the mother not the community but you starting off to write letters to your daughter and again like what also resonated to me was when I became mm. a mother you know like his mom oh, she's annoying me she's uh, 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 right that's what mums do that's our role right but I remember <laughs> my mom's not going to be listening to this. So I feel I can say this, <laughs> but I remember the moment when I realized that my mom was a human being, right? Like we, we very much understood 
we very much understand that our mothers are flawed, right? <laughs> but we don't understand that they have had experience that have shaped them until we become parents, we become mothers. I remember her telling me this story about, I was listening to Fela Kuti and she was like, oh, I know who he is. He's, he's, he's quite good. And I was like, yeah, he is. What do you know about Fela? Imagine. Imagine me saying this to a guy, what do you know about Fela? And she was like, well, actually, exactly the arrogance of youth. Um, and she said, well, actually, I went to see him in concert. And I swear to you, I went, what do you mean when? you saw him in concert? Yes. <laughs> mother, you, a whole mother, saw her in concert. And she told me this whole story, which I won't tell on her completely, where, um, <laughs> actually, I am going to, but she, she left the house when she wasn't supposed to because her big brother was going to, to this concert with his friends and she wanted to go. And that person was fella. And I said to myself, Right. <laughs> And I said to myself, ah, you're spicy. <laughs> okay, okay. And then I went, that also makes sense. So I say all of that in the sense of not only did you gift your daughter something and us, the listeners, you gifted her you and the community as well because she gets to see herself in, in that fullness. And it's, so it's such a beautiful, beautiful concept and giving idea Um so I, to, to me, it resonates so deeply for, to me. And, you know, you're, you're several, several seasons in. Is it season two now? Yeah, we've completed season two and we're going in for season three. I love it. And, and, you've, and you've done some live shows. I'm listening to those and I've been chuckling away. And you've also expanded. Like, I saw some letters to Dear Son, another one. Like, you keep on making me cry. Can I, I just say you just keep making me cry? Because it's so powerful. Like, what has the reaction to the show been thus far? It's been amazing. It's been, it's just everyone does, really does have a story and they just want to say the things that matter to them, to the people, that they want to say the things that matter to the people that matter to them. And this has been really emotional. We, I cry all the time as well. Um, and I think one of the, one of the things that makes me cry the most is to realize that people are across the world, um, different cultures, um, different backgrounds, but we're all thinking and struggling um, with very similar things. The themes have been very universal. Um, so it's for me, and I just want to say this actually, this podcast has been a gift for me as well. Um, you just talked about you know me gifting my daughter, me, but this has been more than a podcast for me. Um, Maybe I'll, I'll talk a bit more about that, but um, yeah. So yeah. So um, <laughs> when when I when I put my um, idea forward for the for the competition, one of the things I was very clear about is that I do not want to be the host. I want to be the person in the background that's doing, um, you know, the producing and what I imagined production is because I had no idea. Um, uh, so I always imagine myself with a background role because that's the type of person I've been all my life. I've been sort of someone who would take a back seat in a crowded room. Um, I would never, you know, the live show, people were there just to witness me standing on a stage talking to people about these things. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. I was listening to the live show and I thought to myself, she is, I have worked with many, many hosts. She, I'm like, she's a natural. She's really funny. And you are like, I'm but listening I would, to you. I would never yeah, put myself willingly in, 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 you know, in front of people speaking and that type of thing. I was, 
extremely shy. Um, I feel like I worried a lot about what people thought of me. And uh, with the production team uh, at the BBC, they 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 kind of just said, why don't we try it once, two times, let's see if you can host, because they saw something in me that um, I didn't see myself. And let me tell you, I am now, I'm a different person. It's been three years and um, I just love who I am. I love who I've become in the sense that uh, I'm so confident. I'm so proud of myself. Um, <laughs> and oh, gosh. the growth that I can see, in, it's been incremental, but I see it. I see it. And it's, it's just been more than a podcast for me in, in, in so many different ways. Someone said to me the other day, your handshake is so firm. And I was like, what? Like, oh, it's such a confident, <laughs> such a confident handshake that you have. And I was just like, what are you on about? But um, people are seeing a change in me and I'm feeling a change. Um, and it's because that I, I put myself out there. Mm. And just to talk a bit more about what, about balancing and, and juggling. I have a full-time job. I'm a mom of two. I'm somebody's wife. I am somebody's daughter. I have friends. I have a full life. But I wanted this. Um, I, I really wanted this. I really wanted this because it was something that I had um, put together for my child. It was so close and so personal to me. Um, the whole idea of writing letters, it was something that I had been thinking about for years and years and years. So I really wanted this to work. And, you know, my mama said to me, juggle, you know, just know what's going to break and what's going to bounce back, you know, and delegate, you know, your children are not going to disown you if you're not there for dinner or can't pick them up from school twice a week. So I had to give myself grace, um, which my mom has helped me with a lot. I, I, I don't have to be this person that I thought people wanted me to be always at everything at on time. I, I want to do this for myself. Um, and I have been doing it and I've been juggling and um, being open about what I can't do and what I can do and making it work because I want, I want this to work. And it's just been an eye opener for me. It has. Um, so how has it been? A, how has it been a, an eye opener? Because what you're talking about again, we're all relating to that. We have, we have several multiple yeah. jobs, yeah. some paid, some unpaid, <laughs> right? And what your mum said, taking a bit of a detour about, you know, try it all, see what mm -hmm. breaks, see what yeah. bounces, I think is what she said. Mm -hmm. It's really mm -hmm. critical, not just to life, but also to, to the creative process, right? Of like, yeah. if you don't just give it a shot, then you're never going to know what it's going to be. And, and the reason for that cannot be, I'm talking to myself here in this particular moment, it can't be that you are busy or that you are overwhelmed. If it's something that you want awesome. to try, try it small yeah, and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As you took the words out of my mouth, as I say, small, small, and then see what happens from there. But you must, must, must try it's important to mm. you said that you were thinking about this for years which really means which really means mm. it was probably torturing you for years because it was a I want to do things and I think we as human beings have that creative gene whatever it is I don't know if you were a writer before yeah. I I were you a writer no. before no 
No, but you had something that you needed to put down on paper. And I think the fact that you got so many mm. letters and you do get so many letters through this show speaks to the fact that we all have something to say. We all have a story and that's yeah. what's so important. And that's yeah. the gift that you, you give people. Um, but turning, and you also said uh, that you wanted to be in the background. Thank goodness you weren't um, you, because you didn't know about the production. So I guess the question when we think about the practical aspects of this is, what was the biggest lesson you learned about producing a podcast? And I say this with a caveat of you also yeah. had the help of a production team. Um, um, yeah. But as a producer, what is the one piece of advice that you would give someone who doesn't have the benefit of a huge production team? What was the biggest lesson that you learned? And what advice would you give someone who wants to maybe start their own yeah. show, but they're by themselves and you know, yeah. they don't know how to take that first step, um, small, small. So I, I think I, I probably answer that from two perspectives, from the perspective of a host and the perspective of a producer. With a host role, mm -hmm. I had to relearn how to listen because you think you listen to people, but <laughs> you're not. All these years, I wasn't, I, I, I had to actually relearn how to listen to people and I realized I'd been slipping up on that. Um, so to be able to, first of all, create a space where people are talking about things that are really personal to them. You know, it's just me and them, you know, on Zoom or whatever, or in a, or in a studio, but they're, they're telling, me, you know, the world these things. And I needed to find a way to uh, create a space where they felt comfortable to speak to me many times for the first time because I haven't, I haven't spoken to them at all. Um, so I would insist on, and, 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 you know, the, from the perspective of production, it might have been a nightmare. I needed to chat to them for like, a, you know, some time before about nothing, about everything, um, find common ground, just make them feel comfortable and then just figure out how to listen to what they're saying and what they're not saying, um, where I need to let something go because it's, it's not the right time and where to pick it up later in the conversation. Um, so just kind of creating that flow um, while speaking to them. Um, and that has really helped me in terms of just communicating with everyone from my husband to my child, um, <laughs> listening to them. You know what I mean? I'm just like super mom, super <laughs> wife over here. Yeah, active, active listening. listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, and from the perspective of... If you don't want to miss an episode, subscribe to our newsletter. Go to our website. It is thecypherpod.com and tell your friends to do the same. Initially, I mean, I was coming into the space. I'm, this is the BBC. And I came in and I had my BBC voice. I'm like, what I thought in my mind was, you know, <laughs> welcome to Dear Daughter. And they were like, I know. And they were like, stop. Welcome to the BBC. And um, yeah. <laughs> it took me a while to just figure out, you know, I, I am coming to a space. I, I know nothing about this, to be honest. I, I knew nothing about podcasting. I, I went through intensive training and the team was so amazing. The production team was so patient. Um, but I also realized that I, I have to be me. Mm -hmm. I have to do things the way that feel comfortable to, with me, for me rather. And um, again, communicates to the production team. This is, the, this is where I feel comfortable. This is how I would like to be and how we can fit in the other whatever else needs to be done 
into that space. So trusting my gut has been um, important for the podcast. Um, Yeah, yeah. That's a huge one. Let me just write that down, people. Trust Trust your gut. Um, You know, when you're in a team, people have different opinions. Um, At the end of the day, this was... Mm -hmm your daughter with Namulanta combo so I had to be able to <laughs> to, to communicate <laughs> to communicate um what the vision I have um while being respectful of other people's opinions and mm-hmm. also um their professional um advice but also say this this feels right and I'd like to do it in this way and that that's okay mm-hmm. I love that I really love that hats advocating yeah. for yourself is so hard um, especially mm. if you don't feel like you're the expert in the building of the thing, you're the expert in the subject, yeah. but you're the expert in the building of the thing. Um, how did you find your, your, your produ- producer voice so that you could say, this is, this is what, this is what I want. This is part of my vision when you're faced with, you know, experts who've been doing the production job for a long time. And they're probably talking about, well, what's the angle and who's the expert yeah. and why are we um, talking to that person? Yeah. So like I said, I didn't, I didn't have the audacity to think that this space was for me because I have no experience in, in broadcasting and podcasting and journalism. This is nothing, this was completely new to me. So I went in with the attitude that, um, oh, you know, what am I doing here? I had my imposter syndrome was crazy that first, you know, that first, that first few months. Um, uh, it, it was terrible. I, I really had to have like meetings with myself numerous times to say, you know what? A lot of people judged this oh, competition boy. and thought you have something to offer. So it went back to me saying that to myself, do you want this or not? And if you do want it, how do you want it? I don't want things to happen. Uh, for me without my without my involvement or my input I don't want to put my name on anything that I'm not happy with um, that doesn't feel right so I just kind of you know said to myself you know you need to pull your big panties on your big girl panties on and just speak up (laughs) handle it speak up handle your business yeah yeah, (laughs) handle your um, business exactly and speak up it's yeah I mean and also let's not let's not when we're just broadening it out when we kind of like connect with the mm-hmm. with um at the access part of this working for the BBC or doing media or doing audio is you know oftentimes people treat it as you know like it's there's a war right there are gatekeepers to the information there are gatekeepers to the expertise and the BBC is one of those things where one of those places where people go oh well I would never be able to to be employed there and and, and you know as I understand it, and please correct me if, if I'm wrong, you know, you won this international podcast competition, but they were looking yeah. for new international yes. voices because it was BBC World Service, right, from the continent. And mm-hmm. we're looking at Nigeria, South Africa, and Kenya in particular. And so when I look at it through that lens and I think about underrepresented voices or or the lack of nuance in stories, which again, Dear Daughter does because it peels back, um, it, not only does it connect us um, to parenthood and motherhood, but it also, to me, peels back any ideas that the world may have about what it means to be, initially anyway, a black or African mother, right? I was giggling and laughing in your first episodes, but also just really, really thankful because 
when you look at it from the outside, not your show, but in general, when we think about what it means to be a black mother, what you presented initially mm -hmm. felt a lot mm -hmm. softer. Does that make sense? And I was thankful for that because listen, black mothers are hard and they're soft. They're not afraid of work and they're tough. This is a very, this is very, very general, but also we are human beings. Yeah. And so we may not all connect with our children. We, not, we may not all want to be mothers. And so I, I was really thankful that that's what the show did as well. But in terms of you as a producer walking in that space, did you feel like, or let me rephrase that. Do you feel like the show has, has kind of changed the narrative on black and African motherhood specifically? I've shared what I thought. How have you seen people's reaction to it? Uh, have you seen conversations around people's perceptions of black motherhood shift? Maybe they haven't because it's such a personal show. I think, I think it definitely has. Um, and it comes back to, for example, um, I'll give an example of the conversation I had with my mom who's on the podcast. Um, and uh, without saying too much for people who haven't heard the episode, my mom is a, my mom is tough. My mom is my mom is the, the African. She is the African woman that you're talking about, <laughs> the African mother. Um, yeah, <laughs> she raised uh, oh, yeah. a lot of kids um, and a lot of cousins and neighbors and all these kids. Um, yeah. So yeah, she she, she oh, is yeah, the village. Oh yeah, we know the village. And the village she is also very smart. She's very smart and has had a long career in the corporate space. Um, <clears throat> I'm not my mom. I am uh, a lot less like my mom. <laughs> so as a child, <laughs> when I was younger, when my mom would be somewhere and my mom would any injustice, she just wouldn't let it go. So. The queue, someone's jumped, mm. you know, jumped a spot on the queue, she's not letting it go. Somebody was rude to something, she's not letting it go. And I would cringe and think, mm -mm. oh my God, here we go again. And it is literally only until a year or two, you know, <laughs> when she was on the podcast, I think, a, a, year, a year ago, that she explained to me that I, I thought to ask her, why are you like this? Why are mm. you ready for battle every time? And she said to me... <laughs> Yeah, why are, you trying, why, do you want to fight? why are you trying to fight and, everybody, um, mom? She said, you know, she, she grew up in colonial Kenya <laughs> and she one day just said to herself, you know what? Mm -hmm. I don't say something. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explode. I'm going to explode. I can't stand another day of being um, told that I can't do something because I'm not white, that um, I'm not good enough for a position or to do something Ugh. because I'm black or, or you know, all, and she was living this. And she just said, it's enough. She said, it's enough. She had an incident in a supermarket and she thought she was going to jail. And um, she just said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm never keeping quiet about anything that's not okay for me. So anyway, so a lot of people have talked to me about that, um, that particular episode with my mom in terms of uh, being an African mother mm -hmm. or having an African mother. And mm -hmm. this, the thing of sometimes... <laughs> the stereotype of it all the stereotype and, of it and the all. idea of thinking your mother is a monolith who has had no life asking these questions um sometimes you i don't know it's in a some it's, it's a stereotype as well but a lot of african children don't feel like they can ask their parents things about how different things but particularly about yeah how, how did you grow up nope. what who was your first boyfriend that type of stuff that mm -hmm. um you know it's it's 
<laughs> no, it's not right. happening. <laughs> you heard me cough when you said that. I was just yeah. like, never. Well, you, I could you, never. <laughs> could you imagine? You can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Even now, you I could never. But how, how, else, how else are we going to talk about? How, exactly. How else I talk to my child about dating if she doesn't know, if I don't give her a bit of context? So right. a lot of the conversations I've had, right. make a long story short, is um, just reimagining the relationship with your mother or re kind of resetting, um, figuring out who she is so that you can figure out who you are. Your mother raised you and a lot of her is in you. Yes. And if you don't understand some of these things, how you got, you know, I, I, I buy the same type of flower that my mom buys. I don't. Do I even like it? But I do it because I saw, you know, my whole life I saw her doing right. you know, things in a particular way and I'm doing them. I'm going to teach my daughter to do them, but I don't even know why. Yeah. And, um, right. It's, it's, it's yeah. about connecting. It's context. If you don't, that's the biggest get. And again, like going back to, to this, I don't know if I'm quiet. My eyes, onions. my eyes are wet. I've got eye water. Um, <laughs> but it's about exactly. I'm chopping onions. It's it's about context. And if you don't have your context, yeah. how can you then move forward? And I love what you said about your your mum about this perceived hardness because I think that goes back to what we were saying at the start of the conversation in the gift of it all, in that. Mm -hmm. Our parents were shaped by things. They were shaped by experiences and mm -hmm. as black or African parents, yeah. they were shaped by particular traumas that they're, and so they're learning lessons because they want mm -hmm. us to push that forward. Speak up for yourself. Mm -hmm. Oh, my parents were like, you've got to speak up. And so I think our parents, mm -hmm. I know our parents were of a similar generation. I remember my, my father talking about mm -hmm. when he was a young child meeting the queen. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And I was like, why did you meet the queen? And he's like, yeah. because I was the one who could speak English, you know? And so these things shape them because they don't want that for us. And like you say, when you are, when you are mm -hmm. targeted because of how you look, the levels of, of anger and frustration that build up mm -hmm. in you, it's not like it's gone away for us. But hearing your mom's story is so powerful because I know that my parents and my uncles mm -hmm. and aunties will have some version of that, that they may not tell us, yeah. but they yeah. pass down to us quietly, which is the gift of dear daughter. Because like you, uh, parents of, of our generation or parents of younger children, we're trying to do it differently. So we have to have... Yeah. Um, empathy for our parents who maybe didn't yeah. give us all the context that we are looking for and maybe need, yeah, not but we late. want to give yeah. our children that yeah. context, but which is very it's difficult. Not too late. Mm. Yeah, it's not too late. It's difficult because if, if it's not been, it's not too late and it's always, yeah, always time at the end of the day, to do it, that. You know, one day it could be um, too late. And that, that I think is the most devastating thing um, mm -hmm. to, to not have mm -hmm. the opportunity to ask some of the questions that you don't even realize that you want to ask. Um, and yeah, like a lot of our, like you say, a lot of our parents, yes. you know, they, they came from, my parents came from a village setting, came to the city, first born of lots yep. of kids, you know. Yep. So many of our parents were forged. Oh, they many, yeah. Formed, they were forged like <laughs> the fires. Of, what's the yes. mountain from, you know. Yes. Smeagol's mountain, whatever it was. Um, Lord of the Rings, that, you know, they were forged or something like that. Yeah. Um, and um, yes. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's important to know their stories as, as their child, particularly. Yeah. 
I, I'm, I, I have one more question, but, but in response to that, about it being too late, do you know what I did? So as a journalist, mm -hmm. this is how being a journalist gifted me. My father passed away in 2021. And um, prior to that, I had interviewed him about what's it like being like Ghanaian in, in, in the UK? Like, what was your experience? I was desperate to, to find out. And so to your point, my dad was like, yeah. what do you mean? <laughs> no, don't worry about that. Mm -hmm. Especially because I put a microphone in front of him. But in his, I, in my last visit with him, um, I just asked him a simple question, which was, mm -hmm. what's your favorite memory? I'm asking a man who knows that he has less days ahead of him than behind him because he was quite sick. And I recorded that. And my nephew, who is now 18, was with me as well. And it's important that he's there because that's his eldest grandson. And he just started talking about growing up in colonial Ghana when it was the Gold Coast. And he started to get, you know, he, he's, he's going off and he's dreaming and he was smiling. And he turned around to me and he said, oh, it's, it's too late, isn't it? And I, I'm crying, weeping while I have the microphone in my hand. I just said, no, it's not. And all I said to him was, thank you. And what I thanked him for was sharing that because I, 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 was, I was very close to my dad, understanding a little bit more mm -hmm. about who he was, why we ended up in the mm -hmm. UK and why he did what he did. And then I'm looking at my grandson who is overwhelmed. He's not crying, but he's, he's just slack jawed. And he's just going, I can't believe it. So again, this idea of context and asking that question is why this show is so, it resonates so deeply with me. I'm a child of history and, and context and connection. So that's why. I'm, so my final question to you though is, how has your daughter responded to that? You've given her the context mm -hmm. that we were all kind of looking for. Did, no. Has she read any of those letters? No. Does she listen to the show? <laughs> she couldn't be. Nah, nah. No, she's seven. Nah. So when we began, she's seven. Uh, of course know, not. We were all very excited, and um, I we told her what it was, and she she didn't get it. She wanted to know if it was something to do with Elsa from Disney, and uh, no. No, that's not what it is. <laughs> not what it is. Yes. No, <laughs> honey. Respect me. Yeah, please. No. Yeah. Let, <laughs> let it go. Let it go. And, uh, but as she's gotten older and, you know, you know, the BBC is something we all grew up, a lot of us in Africa, and I think African backgrounds grew up knowing what the BBC was. Um, so it's always, it's, it's in the background mm -hmm. is a lot of the time, very often. Um, she started to recognize it and say, oh, mom, that's where you work. Um and to gradually come into, I'd have the microphones at home and she would want to, she'd want to do a little bit. Um, she's been on the podcast, introducing the podcast, especially at the beginning of season two, and she had some bits in season one. And she said to me, you know, do you think I could have a podcast? Mm -hmm. That evolution right there is, what else? Yeah. <laughs> what See, else? That's there you go, to think, right there. You know, this is something, <clears throat> this is normal. This is something I can do um, if I want to. If I don't want yep. to, I don't have to. Yep. Um, <clears throat> that has been beautiful for me. Yeah, I can go back go to back watching to whatever watching, I want to watch, uh, but you know, the seed is in her mind that if she wants <laughs> to do something, she can. And um, the other part is, <clears throat> for me and, and my, my relationship with my daughter, is I, I mm -hmm. how, how could I ever be telling her to be brave, to do this, to do that, if I, if I wasn't doing it? So you say all these things, them but are you do you do it um uh, yeah am i am i modeling it yes, I'm, I'm, modeling. I'm acting like i am but am i really 
um, she's afraid to do or her school play or her whatever her mm. music or whatever. Um, if I didn't try to be the host and, and put my fears aside or to get on a stage and do a live show, if I didn't try, first of all, I wouldn't even realize I actually enjoy it. Um, but second of all, <laughs> I actually enjoy it. And second of all, um, what what am I teaching her if I can't if I can't do the things that I ask her to do? So in in that sense, um, it's made our relationship right. better because I have been vulnerable with her and said, you know, I am I have also been terrified about getting on the stage, or I have been nervous about you know X Y Z. Well, what should we do? And she'll give me tips, and I'll give her tips, and it's working. It's working for us. Um, and one of one other thing that's beautiful for me is I, mm. I, I I'm absolutely sure that the relationship between my mom and her has changed as well. Um, my mom is now a, very open wow. with her in terms of teaching her in ways that um, perhaps I was not taught. Um, but just being open to conversation, uh, letting the child express herself and asking her questions and allowing her, you know, my mom's a great mom, but it was a different time for us. Um, so yeah, I can, I can definitely see my, mm-hmm. you know, my, my, my mom is my daughter's best friend now. And, um, I do believe it's because of, uh, it's oh. because of just being involved in such a project. Incredible. Um, I, so many things I've heard just, just by trying and just by doing, and just by putting it out there and creating, you changed, mm-hmm. you've inspired others to to write to you in small and big ways and you've changed your own life. And I think yeah. that's incredible. Look at what one show, yeah. one idea, yeah. <laughs> um, inspired by the birth of a child, we'll give that, but but by, by you doing it has done. So Namun Lanta, Kombo, thank you so much for joining me today on the Cypher. Just everything that you said, man, <laughs> I just need to... <sighs> It was a great one. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for listening to The Cypher. I'm your host, Christabel Insiabwadi. We'll be back next time with a new wonderful conversation. If you don't want to miss an episode, subscribe to our newsletter. We're at thecypherpod.com. And don't forget to tell your friends to do the same. Our production team includes Cerise Small, Larissa Witcher, and Eugene Kidd. I'm your host, Christabel Insiabwadi. Thank you so much for listening. The Cypher is a production of My Lens Media, Inc.